It's Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. A Michigan woman named Wendy Wine is going to prison after trying to hire a hitman to kill her ex-husband. She didn't want to kill him herself and didn't trust the people she knew, so she went online and landed at rentahitman.com. She went as far as meeting someone and paying $200 as a down payment. The problem was that it's a fake website. Jonathan Edwards, reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for more. Next, booster shots have been approved for anyone over 18 that has already been fully vaccinated. Protection from getting infected starts to wane after about six months, especially for those that are older or immunocompromised. But what should you do if you're healthy and not at risk? Does getting a booster shot take away someone else's opportunity to get their first shot? Kelsey Piper, staff writer at Vox, joins us for what to know about boosters. Finally, you might think that marijuana and parenting don't mix, but there is a growing movement of moms who say that consuming weed helps them to calm down, reduce anxieties, and be more present in their kids' lives. They want to fight the stigma around it and also make clear that they aren't getting blazingly high and consider it low risk, just like a glass of wine. Jesse Staniforth, contributor to the BBC, joins us for more on Canamoms. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. And making sure, hey, this is what you want done. What exactly do you want done? Okay, let's hand over the money now. And at every step of the way, Wendy kept going through it, wanting to get rid of her ex-husband. Joining us now is Jonathan Edwards, reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Thanks, Oscar. It's my pleasure. Well, let's talk about this uh, very interesting story. There's a Michigan woman who is going to be going to prison now. She unfortunately wanted to kill her ex-husband. She didn't really know how to do it. She didn't want to do it herself. She went where most other people go when they need help finding things out. She went onto the internet and she landed on a website called rentahitman.com. That should have been your first inclination (laughs) that something was wrong. But she went through it, and as I mentioned, she's going to be on her way to prison. Jonathan, tell us about this case and rentahitman.com, because you got to speak to uh, the person who set that website up. And I think you nailed it on the head. The first clue that this was suspect is the name of the website itself, rentahitman.com, and just the entire concept of going on the open web and hiring a professional killer I think most people would raise a couple of eyebrows at that. And if you go to the website, which is run by, as you mentioned, Bob Innes in Northern California, he has a lot of fun with it. You go there and there's just so many Easter eggs that continually reinforce the idea that this isn't legit. I think my favorite one is... They brag about being 100% compliant with the Hitman Information Privacy and Protection (laughs) Act of 1964, which is, I can't believe I have to say this, but that's not actual legislation. There is no bill or law that protects professional killers' information. Yeah, I went on the website too, and I think one of my favorite ones was that it boasted awards from the industry, right? So who is the Hitman industry that they're winning awards from? was the one that I caught that caught my eye too and was just kind of like shaking my head about. Exactly. I, I would love to go to those internal awards, you know, like the Clio's for hitmen. <laughs> right. And be there for two hours with all the professional killers around the world 
politely applauding each other as the other guy wins. So, I mean, anyways, there's a lot of red flags on there, but for this Michigan woman, she went through there. He has like an online form that people can sign up and ask questions and he double checks those, throws out the fraudsters or people that are just playing jokes. And over the years that he's had this website, he has actually saved a few people that they really wanted to go that far with it and then referred countless others to the authorities. And Wendy is one of a handful of people who have actually been convicted as a result of reaching out to the website and persisting in trying to hire a hitman. And Bob Innes gives folks multiple outs, including once they submit their form, asking them again, do you still require our services? Do you want us to put you in touch with a field operative, which of course means law enforcement. And in the case of Wendy Wine, the Michigan state trooper who pretended to be a hitman seems to give her multiple outs as well, calling her several times, meeting with her and making sure, Hey, this is what you want done. What exactly do you want done? Okay. Let's hand over the money now. And at every step of the way, Wendy kept going through it, wanting to get rid of her ex-husband. Yeah. And in this particular case, this happened on July, 2020, And uh, she was waiting at a Dixie cafe. The agent got in her car and they spoke it over. As you mentioned, she made a down payment of $200. And then the agreement was to pay $5,000 when the job was done. You know, at that point, they have it. They had a payment. You know, she's so serious enough with that. They wrote up the report and arrested her later. How long is she going away for? It's going to be at least nine years. That is according to the plea agreement she made with prosecutors But her formal sentencing is in January, and the judge at that time will determine exactly how long she's going away for. For Bob Innes, the guy who made the website, why did he initially make the website? He wasn't trying to start a hitman company. It was, uh, I mean, he was just into the kind of internet stuff. He was trying to buy up a few domain names, things like that, right? Exactly. He went to college from 03 to 05, studied IT, security, and when he was thinking about parlaying that new education into real world application, he wanted to start a business to do penetration testing or pen testing, essentially white hat hacking, trying to assess vulnerabilities for companies and their network security, and then shoring those up. And he started Rent a Hitman as part of that sort of nascent business idea. Well, The business never went anywhere, and this website languished for a few years, and then he realized people were trying to solicit hitmen, professional killers on it. He rolled with it at first, and then really, he really leaned into it, and clearly is having quite a bit of fun. Jonathan Edwards, reporter at The Washington Post, thank you very much for joining us. Oscar, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. In making these recommendations, we took into consideration the current state of the pandemic, the data on vaccine effectiveness over time, and importantly, the safety profile of booster shots of over 30 million Americans who have already received an additional vaccine dose. Joining us now is Kelsey Piper, staff writer at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Kelsey. Yeah, thanks so much. 
All right, let's talk about the big COVID topic right now, booster shots. The FDA and the CDC just authorized booster shots for everybody. That's Pfizer, that's Moderna, that's Johnson & Johnson. They're saying if it's been six months since you've had your initial two shots or the one shot in the Johnson & Johnson case, you should definitely be getting a booster. But you know what we've been seeing throughout all of this is uh, kind of a messy rollout of messaging between various states and the federal government. So it can be a little confusing right now what's going on. So Kelsey, help us walk through some of this. What are we seeing? So the basic situation is this. After about six months, some of the antibodies circulating in your blood from the vaccine that protect you against getting sick with COVID-19 do decrease. You have fewer antibodies. A lot of scientists aren't that worried about this because you still have the immune memory that will help you fight off a severe COVID-19 infection. And indeed, we are not seeing vaccinated people hospitalized or dying at high rates unless they're otherwise immunocompromised and the vaccines weren't working for them fully. So it's not like you're unprotected after your two shots, but you are more likely to catch a mild case of COVID. And a mild case of COVID, you know, that's still like getting the flu. That still sucks. So a booster can still save you from an unpleasant holiday bout of contagious illness. That seems worth it for most people. But there's been a little bit of confusion around, okay, but how necessary is it? Does this mean that the first two shots didn't work as well as we hoped? And no, they're doing great. But personally, I'll take a little bit more protection if I can get it. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, you know, and that's, uh, you know, part of the issue, right? Why sometimes you've been hearing more about some breakthrough infections, or you might even know people who have been vaccinated and got it, right? All these breakthroughs are happening because the effectiveness against getting the infection is started to wane a little bit. And, and that's what these boosters are, are trying to fight. Yep, that's right. The booster will kick your immune system back to the place it was at a couple months after the first couple of shots. Arguably even better because the additional six months of spacing means your immune system gets further exposure to this virus and that this is something it needs to be ready to fight off. And that means you won't get even mildly sick. But as long as you've got your first two shots, what I'm hearing from doctors in ICUs is they're not seeing double vaccinated people in ICUs. Who they're seeing in ICUs are people who weren't vaccinated at all. Yeah. And, you know, what happens to all of this, and you, you mentioned in the article, right, is kind of continue on this uh, notion of the confusion in it of it is that, you know, people that are fully vaccinated have this impression that they're at risk of getting really sick again. Those that have not been vaccinated kind of start getting this impression that the, maybe the vaccine doesn't work at all. And really, it's kind of neither here nor there. You know, you should be getting it because it's just going to, you know, what it really does boost up your protection against that initial infection. Yeah, no, you are protected if you've been vaccinated from serious illness and death. But if you're like me, you still don't want to get sick this holiday season. That's where a booster can be useful. But there's certainly been some trouble to get that communication out there. And then you also did write in your article about how it could be confusing for people to saying, well, I'm going to get my third shot. There are still people who haven't gotten their shots uh, here in this country, maybe in other parts of the world. Is that taking away a shot from somebody else. And that's also not very much the case too. This is all, this has to go more with deals that vaccine makers are doing with specific countries. Yeah, that's right. So this is something that I know has held a lot of people I know back from getting their booster. They're like, well, I'm healthy. I'm young. There's surely other people who need this vaccine dose more than me. But the way it works right now is that countries have 
their place in line. And, you know, if the U.S. purchased 20 million doses from Moderna, then Moderna's going to send us 20 million doses. And then it's going to check who's next on the line. You know, France ordered 10 million doses. It's going to send France 10 million doses. So you not getting your booster shot doesn't mean that somebody in a country that needs it more gets that shot ahead of you because Moderna's going to send all their U.S. orders before they start sending their orders for whoever's next in line. And it doesn't mean within the U.S. that that booster goes to someone else who needs it because we are, you know, compared to this spring, awash in vaccines. There's enough of them. Anybody who needs a shot can get one. So if you're worried about access, there's still valuable stuff you can do, like helping to drive people to vaccine clinics or advocating to make sure people get time off work for recovery from their shots. But you don't need to pass up on a shot to make sure someone else gets it. We have enough. The bottom line on all of this really seems to be that obviously everybody should go get it. But the people that are most at risk that really do need to are those that are elderly and then those that are more vulnerable to it already to begin with, you know, that have those comorbidities and whatnot. I think there was an analysis done by the Wall Street Journal where the majority of those breakthrough infections and all that are happening in these groups, the people that were already most vulnerable. So those people should get them. And if you had the Johnson & Johnson shot, you should probably go get that booster too. Yeah, just because if Johnson Johnson, your immune system's only gotten one exposure, and that second exposure, you'll get a lot of mileage out of. But otherwise, who does COVID kill? People whose immune systems are weak. And those are also the people who get less benefit from a vaccine. So if that's you, yeah, it's, it's really important to, you know, be doing everything you can. For everyone else, like, I think it's worth it. But we should be clear that you are already protected from severe COVID because you got two shots. And the important thing is getting to full vaccination, keeping everybody safe. Kelsey Piper, staff writer at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. She was also saying, well, this is, you know, I do have to be careful because people are judgmental, even in legal states, right? You know, there's this classic interpretation whereby this thing was illegal for a long time. And a lot of people figure, well, that meant it must be bad. Joining us now is Jesse Staniforth, contributor to the BBC. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Let's talk about an interesting topic, moms. So these are an increasing number of women and mothers who are using cannabis, marijuana, and they say that it helps them with uh, their parenting. You know, it helps calm them down, take a little bit of the anxieties of life away, especially with what we just went through with the pandemic and all. And they're saying that they're using this a little bit more as a wellness tool. So, Jesse, help us uh, walk through some of this. I first encountered this phenomenon. I, I've been covering cannabis as a beat for about uh, four years now, since just the lead up to Canadian legalization, because I'm up here in Canada. And I was just out reporting on different stories, and I began to notice the number of women who identified as weed moms or canna moms and were speaking specifically not about the idea that, yeah, it's so hard being a parent and cannabis takes the edge off, but actually saying, I find cannabis to bring a net positive to my parenting in some way. And they were saying this, you know, usually in the context of talking about consuming very low doses, but at the same time feeling that it actually made them better parents, more patient, more willing to listen. And it was something that I, I, I've had on my radar for a number of years, just as, as a continually growing phenomenon. And so when I was speaking with the BBC about subjects that, that we might work on, I mentioned that in passing, and they were very, very interested in having that discussion because over there in the UK, they still have not legalized. And so this notion, I think, is going to be a lot more controversial over there than in places in, you know, like Canada and certain U.S. states that have legalized. But it is certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's a trend that's on an upward swing. 
one of the biggest misconceptions that they want to kind of dispel with is that they're not getting super high to the point right. where that they can't function and everything. As I mentioned earlier, almost more of a wellness tool, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're microdosing in a lot of cases, they would say. And I would also say, you know, if, if these moms are using, right, they're more likely to understand what their tolerance level and all that. So that, right. that's one of the biggest misconceptions they wanted to do away with. I think so. And, and uh, Latrice Thomas, whom I, I interviewed outside of Tampa, she was the one who said, we don't smoke to get blazing high. I've got things to do. I'm a mother. I'm a business person. You know, she was very adamant that particularly as we've, we've come to understand cannabis as a substance that has both a, a recreational purpose and a medical purpose or a wellness purpose, I think we started to understand that there are circumstances in which, okay, well, a small amount of that may actually be contributing to me genuinely feeling better in a situation or handling a situation better. And they were all quite adamant. Yeah, this is, you know, you you can't really or shouldn't really get extremely impaired around a child for a number of reasons. It's not a thing that, you know, a child doesn't necessarily want to see a parent who is acting in a way that's very much out of keeping with the way that they normally uh, act. But there's, you know, obviously there's also the, the practical considerations of being present in the moment and being able to parent in a safe way. And so all the women that I spoke with were, you know, they're definitely advocates of microdosing. So taking just enough cannabis to either feel effect or even not, right? Sometimes people will take below a threshold dose just because they feel it gives them something that they don't quite feel that makes them a little bit a little bit easier to get along with and a little bit easier to relate to for their kids. You know, the other part of it is, is that, you know, a lot of them get, get a lot of backlash. So they're very selective of who they tell, oh, I do right. smoke marijuana. Because, you know, a lot of people right away are quick to say, hey, you're a bad parent. That's something that I think everybody that I, I spoke to for this article mentioned that in passing. Latrice Thomas down in Florida said, well, you know, she said, I'm not just a mother who uses cannabis. I'm a black mother who uses cannabis. So I have to be very careful about who I tell. But Danielle Simon Brand, who uh, is a, w- a white reporter who I interviewed, she's out in, in the Pacific Northwest. She was also saying, well, this is, you know, I do have to be careful because people are judgmental, even in legal states, right? You know, there's this classic interpretation whereby this thing was illegal for a long time. And a lot of people figure, well, that meant it must be bad. And now that it's legal, people continue to believe that it's bad. And that's not necessarily coming from a place of science, but, you know, it's, I'm really interested in getting voices out to just talk about the fact that people are having these experiences and that kind of flies in the face of the assumption that, that this is a net negative. Obviously, anytime you're, you know, you're combining something that has, you know, the ability to impair a person with parenting, you have to be careful. But there's so many circumstances in which people are happy to consume a small amount of alcohol around their children. And the argument that every woman that I spoke to said, in many cases, I am actually in much more better control of my ability to consume cannabis than I am to consume alcohol. So I'm I'm much happier consuming that with my children around because I know that I'm going to be in more control. And I mean, we're even speaking here of the difference between a microdose of cannabis and a single glass of wine, which really doesn't, you know, it doesn't impair most people very, very highly. So, you know, I, I think it's just that we're at the beginning of a new way of understanding cannabis and cannabis effects. And it's going to take us quite a while to hear about the different ways that people use cannabis and the different types of cannabis that they use and in what circumstances and so forth. Jesse Staniforth, 
contributor to the BBC. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. <laughs>